Lost World Minute. Now I'll be the podcast for 997 sequel Jurassic Park, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to start the new week with Minute 73 of The Lost World. David, uh, last week <laughs> we uh, we thought we topped ourselves with about a minute 40, oh, an hour 40, with uh, discussion on The Lost World with uh, Jay Jurassic. And last mm-hmm. week we uh, talked about a couple of two-minute trailers and managed to get close to the same time frame. <laughs> But uh, we're we're here now, week on, and uh, the trailer's come and gone. How you how do you still feel about the trailer? Are you still still hyped, still excited? Uh, yeah, you could say that. <laughs> it's probably one of my most anticipated movies of 2018. Yep. Definitely looking forward to it a lot more than Solo, the Star or Star Wars story, if only because I mean, even though Ron Howard's directing that one, it's just been muddled with so so much kind of. Uh, I don't know, drama being behind the scenes. Hmm. That I'm, it's kind of killed my mood for it. Yep. Plus, I never really felt... I was never really big on the guy they casted to be Han Solo. But then again, I always knew nobody would replace Harrison Ford for me. Oh, no. No. And so, it was always something that was... I was, I was never really anticipating it. And Fallen Kingdom, I never really felt the need to anticipate it. But now I really do anticipate it. Hmm. Yeah, and we can for those for those interested in the Star Wars discussion, look after the end credits for uh, further talk. Careful, this suit costs more than your education. Story is everything, and I think that's kind of going to be the key to bringing this all back together. The key to the Fallen Kingdom. They've already revealed that um, the the island's getting blown up. Mm. They've, their whole marketing scheme is based on that. So you know the ending, you know the ending, you know the end scheme to get these dinosaurs off the island. What will be key here is telling a story worthy enough to fulfill that. Yeah. yeah. And we actually have discussed the final act here, but um, Bayona did do a bunch of rewrites with the final act. I believe I saw a picture of Bayona directing somebody on uh, off stage, and you saw this book of the script. And, like, the last third act was all yellow pages, which I believe marked um, rewrites. Yeah. So, as far as we know, Bayona really took the third act and made it his own. Yeah. They, where they went from uh, from mainland to island, and then they're going to the mainland again. Mm. It's just... We... There's a leak of, leak of the plot that come out several months ago, and just... Oh, I, as it read, I wasn't excited now the trailers come out again if you haven't seen a trailer if you're staying completely spoiler free just skip until the uh the start of the minute but having the island destroyed at the halfway point where we've had the trailer destruction the uh explorer destruction mm-hmm. oh where's the half point in Jurassic park free the end of the lab maybe no avery avery maybe Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I have to think on that. I'd have to <laughs> watch because they don't have that middle, that midpoint attack. No, know? and because it's so much shorter as well, it's sort of, you think about the middle yeah. of the film, which would be around the lab, which in early script was a lot larger scene. They stayed overnight in the lab and it would have been a bigger scene. Not mm-hmm. so much destruction scene, but a bigger scene. But um, I just, uh, these... And listening to some podcasts during the week of uh, 
non-fans, mainly just movie critics and that reviewing the trailers, and just... It seems that... Uh, the first movie played on nostalgia a lot. And now, yeah, now and here in this trailer, we've got the T-Rex doing the exact same pose from the original film. Yes, she's not in the visitor centre, she's out in the open. Um, and the shot's reversed, like she's pointing to the left and not the right, or... Mm-hmm. something um but it's just how much they're continuing to push the nostalgia beat now fair enough you can get you can almost guarantee that the majority of the box office for Jurassic world was nostalgia people watch the first film they wanted to see the park in operation here we go we're doing it they didn't really they showed 10 minutes of the park in operation at the start then a lot of behind the scenes and the rx escaping I'm still I'm still interested in execution, as you said before. The story, what actually happens. Okay, we've seen now the island's destroyed, and then we go off off island. Um, I hope there's something there that builds to part three. Um, one one thing that's sort of Jurassic Park was built to be well made to be standalone, and then Crichton wrote The Lost World, and Spielberg adapted mm-hmm. it and kept adapted it. So that was the second part, and then again it was without fiction, Crichton sort of penned something and then someone come in and overtook him and then it was all thrown out before they filmed for Jurassic Park 3. But it's just sort of interesting that those films weren't built to be a trilogy. It was one film, it's done well, let's make another one, it's done well-ish, and then we'll make a third one. And then it's sort of, okay, and we've had 14-year gap. Um, mm-hmm. Jurassic, or Colin went to Universal with the the plot and idea for Jurassic World and then the sequels, it's all written out. Now, what's edited or whatever else in amongst that, that's that's for production to know. We will never know that unless someone behind the scenes comes out and reveals it and gets fired for it. But um, Colin's got a story for three films. The first film was The Park in Operation. I wish we'd seen more of that Park in Operation, but I don't think we can go back to that now unless we get a flashback. Um... Part two is moving away from the park and moving to the mainland, and I just hope that there's some part. Uh, Wu being evacuated from the island, Jurassic World was to show that, okay, we're going off island. Now we've seen the trail that the island's getting destroyed, and I hope that there's something... I just hope there's a, a decent story to be told about animals on the mainland. Um, Malcolm sort of hints during his um, inquiry or whatever that courtroom scene is that um, if we're not careful dinosaurs will be here after us as well which as we said during that review last week that maybe it's uh, hinting at whether it's DX whether it's just mass population growth whatever it is about animals mm-hmm. inhabiting the mainlands yeah I'd like personally I'd, I'd love a war for the planet or like a planet of the apes style for dinosaurs but I don't it's like Dino Crisis I don't think it's I don't think you can stretch it from the Jurassic franchise. It's it's its own thing, as much as I'd like to see it. I don't... There's some leaps. There's some leaps you got to do, anyway. Anyway, I think going back to the nostalgia thing, it's interesting that in 2015, the two biggest films, The Force Awakens and <laughs> Jurassic World, both hinged almost, almost to the point of a crutch on nostalgia. Yeah. Now... Dress World got away with it. The Force Awakens, not so much. And then I think it's interesting that, from a lot of fans' point of view, that 
um, and spoiler alert a little bit, that episode eight is going to be a bit of a mind screw, is what I've heard. They won't. Nobody will tell me anything, and that's okay, that's good. But they've told me that it's a heavy film and leaves you wanting, but in a good way, mm. kind of like Empire Strikes Back. But then I think about Fallen Kingdom, and I think, yes, it's doing the nostalgia thing. Yes, it's going to it's doing what episode eight is, and kind of messing with and kind of um, hinging on the second movie of the trilogy. But I think that um, Fallen Kingdom. Is going to depend a lot. Is going to again be like um, the Last Jedi and be a bit of a mind screw for fans. It's going to pull a lot of unsuspect, un, uh, yeah, unsuspected punches. But I also think that it's going to use nostalgia better than uh, is going to use uh, Jurassic World did. Jurassic World was too much. It was even Spielberg acknowledged and said that he had to tell. Colin Trevorrow, all right, enough of nostalgia. Make your movie. Make don't make my movie. And so, yeah, I think that Kingdom is going to not use so much as nostalgia, but it's going to be one for the fans. It's gonna. It's already had Carnotaurus. It's already had a darker theme. It's already had a bunch of stuff that fans have wanted. Uh, Gary, or I'm sorry, Barry Onyx, um, a mainland plot of um, uh, but uh, animatronics, even, is had a lot of the stuff that fans asked for after Jurassic World, and Bayona sounds like he's listening to the fans on this one, so I think it's going to actually turn out better than um, Jurassic World in terms of nostalgia baiting, if only because it's not going to use that nostalgia as a crutch. Yeah, that's it, and that's um, yeah, I go look at. The comparisons between the Jurassic World trailer, the lot, the full, the first trailer compared to the Jurassic Park trailer, where you had established mm-hmm. shots, tour vehicles <laughs> with the gyrospheres and everything else. Um, it's interesting you say that Spielberg's told being was hold back. I wonder if that's Spielberg or Colin or or what it is there. But then one one other comparison, lastly, before Fallen Kingdom and Episode Eight is Episode Eight. You've got Han, uh, not Han, you've got Luke, you've got Leia coming back as the old cast. Um, whether or not there's other old cast coming back as well, well, you'd assume that R2 and C-3PO are going to be in it doing something, even if it's just one shot. Um, but as far as we know, it's only Malcolm coming back mm-hmm. for that brief scene. Uh, well, I will say that that's the only one confirmed, but there was a there is a rumour going around that Sam Neill was spotted around the set at some point. Yeah, well, we know he was at he was at Hawaii when they were finishing filming because we had that mm-hmm. had that. Um, I think someone was uh, in the tour group or something and asked him what he wanted to do, and he said he wanted a Jurassic tour or something. Um, no, somebody offered him the Jurassic tour. Oh, okay. And he said that he just kind of looked at him like, <laughs> "I've done the Jurassic tour yeah. twice." <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Well, Oh, yeah, yeah, Jurassic Park 3, there was shots on yeah, Hawaii, okay. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, but that's even leading, leading to for Ragnarok, and we're, we're all over the place here, I'm sorry, folks. Uh, going into for Ragnarok, um, Hugo Weaving was seen on set in Sydney, visiting some people he knew there, and um, mm-hmm. when I seen I thought, oh, okay, so Red Skull might be making a reappearance in Ragnarok before Infinity War. 
Um, that turns out not to be the case. That's not a spoiler. Someone's not in a film. Nah, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just fan, uh, like people visit sets all the time. Um, exactly. I've seen one suggestion how cool it would be to see maybe Ellie and Alan in the stalls behind Malcolm in that courtroom scene. Not have him, mm-hmm. not oh, have him. I see that too. I, yeah, there is a dark-skinned woman uh, standing at the door behind. Oh no, and Malcolm. And it would be cool if that was supposed to be Kelly Malcolm, even if it's not played by um, Vanessa Lee Chester. It's been twenty but, years. She could be I in know. the film. <laughs> I know. I mean, and she. I gotta admit. Okay, just as a guy here, Vanessa Lee Chester turned into a very beautiful woman. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but that's that's the thing. Like even Billy Brennan going from an early twenties, mid twenties person to a mid forties mm-hmm. in a time like, and I, I, we talked about it at the start of the minute as well. Like um, forgetting her name, but Kathy Bowman being mm-hmm. sort of in the start of the Lost World, um, where she's old enough now to be a character, or an adult character in one of the follow-up mm-hmm. films, but. That is interesting. I'm not sure if I mentioned it when we did the uh, trailer breakdown, but I have not seen, besides Lucy, I don't think we're getting kids on the island again. That's another thing fans asked for. They said, okay, we're kind of sick with the, sick of kids getting trapped on the island. And I don't think we, ha- I mean, we have young adults. We have uh, maybe late teens at most, uh, youngest, but I don't think we have kids going to the island this time. Well, there hasn't been a single shot of Lucy on island. Um no. We've, we had that that couple of shots from the behind the scenes stuff of her in the mansion, which we're assuming is mainland. Um, mm-hmm. But there's nothing. There doesn't appear to be anything else on island now. We sort of we sort of speculated when we first heard about the character that maybe she was a and the dryosphere as well. Maybe she was a left behind guest. Um, mm-hmm. Some they've all evacuated and left this poor girl behind, and now they've got to go back to get her. But as we can see, this is a long time after. There's no one hiding out Robin Crusoe on the island, <laughs> as far as we know, mm-hmm. anyway. So, um, which which was one sort of drop point from Jurassic Park for as well. But um, I I wouldn't mind. But then that's that's a that's again like sort of okay. Well, we're back on the island. Someone survived. Someone's living in this lost world and all that. They want to take the story. They want to take the franchise beyond that. So now you brought up that um. Is there a story worth telling on the mainland? And honestly, I do think there is. Crichton went there twice, and both in both books he went, like he kind of skirted mainland uh, dinosaurs on the mainland. And it it sounds like something that he always wanted to tell, but he just never. He got sick of Jurassic Park, and he just didn't want to deal with it anymore. He didn't want to write a third book. But that sounds like something he wanted to go to, but could never quite fit it in the story. Yeah. in Jurassic Park, we had the copies on the mainland going through villages, picking through garbage, picking through babies. It was a pretty, it was a morbid scene. I yeah, yeah. yep. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably never see it on screen, but it's out there. It exists. Oh, it's, don't it's, say, don't say never. Don't say never. We've got another no, film to go. That's <laughs> true. And then we almost got raptors on the mainland. And then there was supposedly, at the end of the book, they kind of hinted at like large herbivores mm. on the mainland, yep. going through like raiding soybean villages and eating uh, and like lacing rich supplement food and migrating north towards America. Yeah. And then in uh, 
in the lost world is brought up as well as well as the aberrant forms that were washing up on the beach and being destroyed by the costa rican government mm. yeah which just and again it was that whole progression of life can't be contained that's it's trying to break mm-hmm. out away from this tiny these tiny little islands um mm-hmm. whether it's migration uh currents taking dead forms to the mainland or live animals getting off onto the beaches of Costa Rica. It just, that's how it was progressing. And then, as you said, Crichton might have had some ideas for Jurassic Park 3. I'd love to know what those ideas were and how, if any of them arrived in the final scene. Maybe maybe the only thing from Crichton that made into that final film was the uh, pterosaurs leaving the island at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> say what you will about that scene. Uh, it, yeah, so... There does seem to be kind of hints to a story there, then I think that if it's fleshed out well enough, it can be told. Mm. Yep, agreed. But we've got a couple of months. We should get another trailer in February for Super Bowl. Um, I'd assume 30% of that or 40% of that would be stuff we've already seen. I can say I'm pushing that run, that run trail a little bit, a little bit more. So. Mm-hmm. You like to have kids, but you just don't want to be with them, do you? so important to the future that you not finish that sentence. Alright. Ready to get into 73? Sure. As we entered 72 of the Lost World, Dita was walking around the forest. Lost. Hopelessly lost. Yet, uh, he didn't want to fire his weapon. As we open on minute 73, he calls out to Carter one more time, and to Roland, before falling down an embankment. He tumbles all the way down to the creek bed, losing his rifle and his shock prod in the meantime, landing in a cloud of dust and coughing hard. At 72 minutes and 21 seconds we start to hear scattering in the underbrush, and Dita slowly lifts his head and looks left, then right. We then get a camera view with several small objects rushing towards him. At 72 minutes and 28 seconds we cut to a shot from above as Dita lays on the ground, and several compies jump onto his back and start to attack him. At 72 minutes and 34 seconds, Dita stands. Compies are hanging off his chest. One has his neck, and he pulls it off violently. At 72 minutes and 50 seconds, we cut to one that's gripped his face. After pulling a couple off his body, this last one has his lip, and he fights with it to let go. He manages to pull it free and throw it to the ground. And as we end the minute, the other compies on his body jump free, and run down the creek bed a short distance to a fallen log, where they hop and chirp happily, impatient to their prey, and he soon demise. So, after two weeks, Deed is still lost in the forest. Uh, he seems he seems to be following a path along the side of some redwoods, um, and he sort of stops at a stops at a patch of ferns. Uh, it's interesting here you can sort of see past him and you can see the treetops of the canopy past him so mm-hmm. it definitely looks like there's a drop away here and he's clearly looking towards where he's about to stand and uh, yells out hey Roland and then uh, as he yells hey Carter <laughs> he takes a step forward into those ferns and there's no ground there he uh, tumbles forward yep. his gun gets uh, lost on a uh on a branch there on the side, and he just keeps on rolling. Mm. Yep. Which is interesting. I mean, you see the... Uh, when you go to Front Canyon, and you see the side of the hill, 
I mean, yeah, there's a bit of a drop there. It's probably, I don't know, at its highest 30 feet. Yeah. But, I mean, it makes it look like the drop's way taller. Mm. Just the way that it's edited here. So almost like an Odessa steps kind of thing. Where even though there's only five steps there, they uh, cut edit it in a way to make it look like 100. Yeah, that's it. There's, there's five or six different cuts here where he's, he's fallen and stops. And every time the cut finishes and starts again... He seems to be in a different position. The camera's in a different position just to, yeah, as you said, make it look more of a, a five, like a five-meter gap into a 50-meter gap. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's most apparent, I think, at the very end where he sort of comes down to the creek bed and lands on his back and then it suddenly cuts and he lands on his front a little bit further out on the stones and sort of coughs in the dust. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like he kind of just keeps rolling from the edge of the hill into like into the creek mm. and honestly i kind of wonder if it was, there was a i know there was a drought but i'm not sure how bad it was because when i went to fern canyon i mean it you get your feet wet you get your boots wet yep and so there's like no chance for dust to form whatsoever well even when we get here a little bit more and maybe more so into minute 74 um the creek or the stream doesn't really appear to be flowing it just seems to be just the water's there. There's not enough for it to flow from one pool into the next. Um, yeah. If it does in some section, it does. But I've I've taken falls before in the dirt, and coughing in that and getting a mouthful of dust is really, really, really annoying. Um, oh, yeah, so I, I yeah, I definitely get what he's feeling here, and just the fact mm-hmm. that he's sort of tumbled down here, his his ribs are bruised and battered. Um, he doesn't realise at the moment, but yes, his rifle got stuck up towards the top of the hill. We never see what happens to that shock prod, so I wonder it, it's laying in the Ford's fern somewhere. But but uh, yeah, 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 he coughs coughs in the dust a couple of times and looks up sharply, and you can sort of hear a rustling noise. And uh, he looks left and right, and that uh, that creepy compy score kicks in. That, mm-hmm. I think it's like a violin or something. Strings. Yeah. Yeah, they sound like string, like some kind of string instrument just being struck really hard and quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just trying to when build. When I was a kid, I never quite got what they were doing with a shot, but it's a montage shot where here, where they just keep showing the compies coming up to them from different directions. Yeah, I'm glad the minute didn't end in between this. We get to see the whole thing because, yeah, we get a couple of real... Real nice low shots as uh, a couple of cameras mm-hmm. come racing in towards him. Not to meant to be one after the other, it's sort of all at the same time. And then we get a nice shot above him as the compies sort of arrive on the screen and jump on his back and start attacking. Yeah. Um, which and is it's interesting. Uh, I was watching the, just for the heck of it, I was watching the uh, behind the scenes for the Lost World got bored the other night. And they showed um, one of the photos is that. When they did this, they I, ILM called them land piranhas, but to get the uh, position for ILM to show kind of show off how many compies they would have jumping on them all at once, they used a bunch of toy dinosaurs. <laughs> so it's interesting. You get you get the shot here of uh, Peter Stormare just laying in the dirt with toy dinosaurs surrounding him. <laughs> all the place. Uh, that's awesome. Because we'll get in a minute of what actually happened here with the vest and that but uh mm-hmm. yeah it's just great i don't know like he's wearing 
Oh, no, the vest come off, so he's wearing his shirt, maybe an undergarment, a signal or something underneath. Um, I don't think the compie's claws are sharp enough to get in, but maybe just the fact that they can hang on to his shirt and clothing and uh, mm-hmm. sort of bury their muzzles into his flesh. Um, well, that's certainly a possibility. I mean, you ever have a kitten climbing on you? I mean, they can just climb straight up you. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's it. And you might not always feel the claws digging in, but you'll definitely feel when they go to bite <laughs> and bite at you. Oh, know, yeah. Those little <laughs> needle teeth <laughs> mm-hmm. bastards. Um, <laughs> and people don't realize it, but I mean, sure, the teeth, the jaw is smaller, and it doesn't provide as much uh, press pressure per ounce or uh, pressure per inch mm-hmm. or whatever you want to use. But those teeth are sharp, and they're like needle sharp. I I had a small dog when I growing up, and she if she bit you, I mean, I still got scars on my hand. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. No, but we uh we sort of the camera drops down here as Dita's thrashing and rolling on the ground trying to get the uh, animals off him, and then mm-hmm. we cut to him on his feet and we see several hanging off his shirt. Um, and there's one there's one on his his uh wait a minute, let me do the his left that he's got in his hand and I always dub this one as the compy with the flip top head from the old Colgate commercials. I don't know if you got them over there. Don't think so. No. no. Uh, wait. <laughs> well, the commercial was, unless you've got a flip-top head, you need a certain toothbrush because you can't open your mouth that wide. Um, but it, <laughs> but this, this comp is sort of... Its entire mouth is open and against his neck. It's not It's not biting. It's just... It's weird. It's one of the rubber puppets they use. There's a couple here. Um, yeah. And it's... I suppose we can go into the, the vest itself here. They actually made a vest... De- uh, Peter Stromer could wear, where you've got all these rod puppets attached to it, and they could just pull the pull the strings or pull the rods to make the, the necks and the heads sort of move around violently, and then the, mm-hmm. the whole tail sort of just moved with the movement of the character. Um, yeah. And Dieter, mm-hmm. Peter actually said to Stan Winston, I think mm-hmm. we should have one on my lip, or as we see here, biting his lip, but and I want to grab it and rip it off, but Stan was saying, no, they're too delicate to do that. We can't. And they actually made... Now, I don't know if it was just a like a resin... Well, it wouldn't have been resin. It would have been like a latex cast compy. They could paint up yeah. and just sort of put the mouth on his lip with the with the fake blood and have him pull it yeah. away. Um, I think it was like a latex rubber, they called it. Yeah, yeah. So any time you see Dieter actually forcibly grabbing a compy and pulling at it it's the it's the rubber puppet it's not the actual anim, uh, the animatronic or the rod puppet because they can't as we've seen back when eddie was kicking at the t-rex mouth they're, they're delicate <laughs> although they're big animatronics <laughs> they're somewhat delicate <laughs> yeah it's kind of the odd combination of yes they are deadly yes they will hurt you or maybe even kill you in the t-rex's case mm. but you still gotta be careful with them yeah yep <laughs> Yep. And and we get a couple of cutscenes here. We've got like there's a couple on his arm as well. Again, all all physical, all sort of the little mm-hmm. compy puppets made to attach to his clothing that it was just a sooty war. And it really it's a really good transition here from where he grabs the one off his mouth and pulls it and I guessing taking a little bit of his lip with it <laughs> in film anyway. Mm-hmm. He grabs another one by the neck and tries to pull it away and sort of yells out, "Hey, Carter!" Again, 
And then as he sort of pulls one or two off, they all we get a cut back shot of him standing in the creek and they all sort of it's just that real nice blend of animatronics or puppets back into C G mm-hmm. where they all sort of they all hop off him and scamper along and uh yeah. we cut the same sort of running up the stream a few yards and jump up onto a fallen bit of timber across the stream and they just sit there and hop and chirp. Mm-hmm. No, you just care of them. No. No. Nope. No. 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 And... You're food. You're going to be food, and we know it. Yeah, and we can <laughs> probably... knows it. You just don't know it. <laughs> and we'll definitely get in this into a couple of future minutes, where mm-hmm. whether or not their bite is poisonous, here, like, definitely of them just hopping and chirping and happy as can be, it sort of further proves the point that, yep, we know we've attacked him, we've drawn blood, we've just got to wait now. And and see and, and wait just wait for the prey to fall. In film, it's not it's not portrayed that way. Dita's sort of had a win here, and we see in a minute where he, he sort of just looks at the blood on his hand and <laughs> God, what the hell just happened? But uh, mm-hmm. starts swearing, and I I think it was Swedish. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. I was going to ask that in the next minute, <laughs> whether it's Swedish or Russian or something, but. Uh, yeah, that that's that's the end of this minute anyway. I do like that when the compies are attacking him and he grabs one by the neck, it kind of makes this strangled crowing sound, almost like a like you're like choking a chicken. Yeah, yeah, yep. Well, that's it. How how tight can you grip <laughs> the neck of this little mm-hmm. beast that's attacking you? Um, and and that like the puppet, they must have had at least one rod in it controlling the jaw because it's sort of its heads little heads sort of thrashing about um, mm-hmm. mouth open but the, but then again just the sound effects the the folly work and this is fantastic um, and of course the snarling that you can hear it's it's really great I love the uh, the uh, compies yeah <laughs> yeah but that's minute 73 Dave anything else you want to bring up before we get heavy no I think we filled that out very nicely all right, guys, let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com, Facebook, The Lost World Minute, Twitter, at The Lost World Minute, and Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, Life will find a way. Well, that's one souvenir they won't be taken with them. I just recently, well, five minutes ago, finished watching Rogue One, um, and it's it's another one of those another one of those things. It doesn't really need the story doesn't need to be told. It's like Titanic. You know, you know what the outcome is. You know, mm-hmm. you know how it ends. But it's just, it's the progression of the characters through the story. Like, I one yeah. thing one thing it proved amongst anything else is the fact that they could create new characters 
and have you completely fall in love with some of those characters. And mm. it just sort of says, right, they can do this. I'd love to see what they can do with other stories. And yes, even with Solo, which is the Han Solo... <laughs> I was nearly going to say biopic, but uh, prequel, <laughs> prequel, <laughs> prequel or something. Yeah. Like, it's... It is one of the characters. More mm-hmm. so than the Death Star... Oh, even though the Death Star's been in nearly every room. But, um... Just the world... If they if they can create the world around Han, um, mm-hmm. and his shitty little ship that can fly real fast, <laughs> it, I'm I'm all there. I'm all there for it. And as you said as you said before about sort of the production issues going into it, we had sort of similar stuff going into Jurassic Park Three. Now, I do not expect this to be on the same level as Jurassic Park Three because that happened back then, but. Uh, there was the same issues with Rogue One, where um, there was issues with production and everything else, and uh, even recently with Justice League, um, mm-hmm. there was the same sort of issues. And coming from fans that actually like the series, there's some praise and there's some, some criticisms, and that's mm-hmm. we're, we're at a point now where there's so much story behind universes and everything else. I see it every day in the Transformers series. Thirty-five years of Transformers, and what? How do you tell one story? You can't. The production crew can't tell one specific story when you've got so much intermingling between the universes. So, I, I, I understand that. Okay, we don't need to see harm. We don't need to see the the castle run. We don't need to see that. But I'm sure, and there's hope in the production crew that that's going to be good to see on screen. So, like all, like Rogue One, all the stuff on Scarif, as soon as they arrive at Scarif, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm well and truly hooked. Like, some of that, some of that jungle stuff, <clears throat> and it might be my love of the Lost World that's sort of bringing into that as well. But, um, mm-hmm. even now it's really just palm trees and not, <laughs> not jungle, but just, just the stuff that happens in space around Scarif, just all that, I just absolutely love. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not really pulling the nostalgia stuff as much as episode 7 did uh, story wise anyway mm-hmm. but I will have to say that the main difference I see that between um, Rogue One and Solo is that Rogue One just had like reshoots just to make it a little bit less depressing mm-hmm. I guess is the word to say because the original cut was uh, very was actually a bit darker than what we got with the final Cut. And that would be interesting uh, to see because it, it gets pretty dark at points as well. But um, I don't know. Not that's to... what I mean. I mean, <laughs> so I think that I think that um, the initial cut would be an interesting release for Disney to make, just to not only make money, but because I would, as a fan, would be interested in seeing that alternate cut. Ron Howard directed like, or uh, Ron Howard redid like eighty percent of the movies. It's mm. basically his movie now. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. Have you seen episode eight? Not yet. Don't not, spoil it for me. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just saying. That's all right. Uh, we can talk about that at a later, later stage when we do see it. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe next week I'll get a chance to see I'm it. Seeing, yeah, I'm seeing it uh, Monday. I'm, me and my dad are going. Okay. No, all good. All good. Um, I was just going <clears> to <throat> sort of going forward as to storytelling and that. 
um, how much it's going to tie in. Um, mm-hmm. Because getting back to the Lost World, uh, back to Fallen Kingdom. I also do want to point out, though, that um, story. what you pointed out is story is important. Rogue One did prove that even though, if like Titanic, spoiler alert, the ship sinks. <laughs> he, he, he didn't know. Uh, that story is everything in one in those kind of movies. Just like when Spielberg directed Lincoln, you knew the ending. You knew mm. you knew. Spoiler alert: Abraham Lincoln gets shot at the end of the movie. You don't actually see it, but you know that it happens. Okay, just I I, I full up honestly, I have not seen it. Um, do they actually go to that at the end of the film, or is this implied? It's more implied. Okay. But spoiler alert, yes, Abraham Lincoln does get assassinated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just depends on how far the director wants to go. Like, in Lincoln, okay, well, you could tell he's, I'm guessing, tell the sort of the rise of him as president and some of his more controversial decisions. You could end the film before mm-hmm. it gets that dark. You can sort of just have in closing subtitles before the credits that... Uh, in Forrest Gump sense, two weeks ago someone shot that poor man, <laughs> and just <laughs> and go with that. But yeah, no. But Lincoln is—it um, actually tells his kind of final days as president and how he passed the Fourteenth, Fifteenth, and Thirteenth Amendments, mm-hmm. and how he abolished slavery in that way. Yep. It tells like the final days of Abraham Lincoln, and not really so much his career. Mm-hmm. It's very good. It's I would suggest it if you haven't seen it to see it. But yeah, 